Three executive orders President Donald Trump signed nearly a year ago are back in court. The EO set limits on official time and collective bargaining and set goals for disciplining federal employees. A federal district court invalidated much of the orders this past summer, but the Trump administration is appealing. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco was in the courtroom, heard the oral arguments, and she joins me now with a recap. And Nicole, tell us exactly what's going on here, the status of these much maligned executive orders. Yeah, so the president, just to remind you, signed them back in May. Several of the federal unions filed lawsuits. The U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia consolidated them and a district court judge heard oral arguments over the summer and then ruled in August. And as as you mentioned at the top there, invalidated nine of the provisions. And then in the fall, the Trump administration said it would appeal, which was expected at this point. Now, in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit, which is where this, this case resides, uh, there were three judges, Judges uh, Thomas Griffith, who was appointed during the George W. Bush administration, Judge Raymond Randolph appointed during the George H.W. Bush administration, and then Judge Sri Srinivasan, who was appointed during the Obama administration. So young, middle-aged, and really old judges. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> okay. And uh, so what was the first argument all about? So the first one really relates to the to jurisdiction, and this is something that we heard from the government when this case was in the federal district court. They argued that that court actually lacked jurisdiction and that agencies should bring individual disputes related to these EOs to the Federal Labor Relations Authority. In the government's mind, it views this as an overbroad challenge, and then if unions have a problem with the way that agencies are implementing these executive orders, then they should take it up with the FLRA. Joseph Busa is the attorney arguing on behalf of the government, and the judge that you hear toward the end is Judge Griffith. You will see again and again and again allegations that implementing these provisions will violate various enumerated sections of the FSL-MRS. That's the authority statute. And Congress said that those kinds of labor relations claims have to proceed in front of the authority. So I think taking this out of, say, the, the context of the president issuing an EO, this is really no different from a supervisor telling an agency negotiator what they're supposed to do in these negotiations. If a supervisor had said, look, your goal is going to be to try to wrap this up in six months. Is, is there any place for the unions to bring this sort of challenge then? Before the FLRA, Your Honor. That's Joseph Busa. He's the attorney arguing on behalf of the government. And to, just to break down what exactly he said, he refers to the authority. That means the FLRA. And he is saying that because the FLRA, their primary statute that they deal with is the Federal Service Labor Management Relations Statute, and that's what these executive orders are all about, they should be the ones to handle this. Yeah, so it really wasn't an argument on the merits of what it is the administration is trying to do, but more of a dispute over, is this the right place to argue it? Well, we'll get to that in a minute. That is part of the the second argument here. But the unions, they obviously dispute this because they say they're making a facial challenge, that's what they refer to it as, to the executive orders as a whole. And the judges pushed back on this a little bit. They questioned whether the FLRA had the authority to adjudicate the validity of these orders. And Busa says it does because, again, the EOs deal with this labor management statute. Now, the judge has also asked if a union has a problem with a provision in these EOs, so where do they go? The FLRA, as the government says. And to use an example here, they say that 
you know, let's say a union wanted to have its members use official time over the 25 percent cap that's in the executive order. Busa says, you know, the union could try to bargain over it. The agency would likely come back and say, sorry, we have this executive order that says we can't do that. The union could file an unfair labor practice charge with the FLRA. If the government gets its way, the FLRA would rule in favor of the agency, and then maybe the union would probably go to judicial review. Got it. And what else did Busa say? So he said, you know, there's really no loss for the agency to go to the FLRA and bring these issues up. But, you know, right now there actually is. The FLRA doesn't have a general counsel. And that's the person that makes these decisions actionable. You know, Trump recently nominated Catherine Byrd to be the general counsel for FLRA. But right now the unions don't necessarily have a path to do this. Here's Andrew Galahalis. He's the attorney with the American Federation with Government Employees. Not every FLRA action yields a final FLRA order. The statute vests the general counsel of the the, the FLRA with discretion whether to bring an unfair labor practice complaint. It isn't just that, oh, the unions will file an unfair labor practice complaint and they'll get reviewed that way. The statute gives discretion, and if the FLRA general counsel views that and looks at the government's argument, reviews the government's argument, oh, this is a government-wide rule, That's Andrew Gahales. He's the attorney with the American Federation of Government Employees, you know, essentially saying just because we bring it to FLRA doesn't mean that we'll get a review of what we're arguing about. I also spoke with uh, Gregory O'Dudin. He's a general counsel with the National Treasury Employees Union. And he says, I think, you know, they were kind of disappointed that the court spent a lot of time on this jurisdiction issue. Good thing we have lawyers to argue all of this stuff because normal people could never sort it out. We're speaking with Federal (laughs) News Network's Nicola Grisco. And you mentioned and we mentioned the second argument besides jurisdictional, more meaty. What's going on there? Yeah. So the other piece to this debate is whether the executive orders contradict what Congress intended when it passed that labor management statute back in 1978. And the federal district court says, yes, the EOs do contradict what Congress intended here. The unions say that, you know, the executive orders, they see them as a government rule and a government rule can't undo a statute. Judge Randolph pushed back on that argument a little bit, reminding the court that, you know, before President John F. Kennedy signed an executive order in the 60s, allowing collective bargaining to exist for federal employees that statute didn't exist. So he, here's Randolph with Odudin of NTEU. The judge and the lawyer. Before the statute was passed, the president of the United States had the authority to control the executive branch and the, and the employees and could allow collective bargaining or not allow collective bargaining. And the statute specifically says that the power of the president that existed before we, the Congress, passed the statute is not is not affected by the statute. Okay. Now, one way to read that is to indicate that the president still possessed the power to decide whether to have collective bargaining or not have it. Well, uh, what's your answer? I, well, I think Congress would have been very surprised to learn that it had taken the trouble to enact a comprehensive collective bargaining statute that the president could, with the stroke of a pen, cancel. 
surprise? Uh, That's not a legal concept, is it? That's Judge Randolph Mm, speaking. Tough stuff, yeah. Yeah, with uh, Gregory O'Dudin of NTEU. And, you know, O'Dudin went on to say Congress spent a lot of time talking about the importance of collective bargaining when it was looking at the Civil Service Reform Act of 1978. It wanted to codify collective bargaining rights in the statute. That was the whole reason why they did this, so the president couldn't just say, I don't want to do this anymore. Let's sign an executive order repealing these rights. And so that's his point. We could go on and on about this, the beating of a government rule, but I think we'll leave it there. Odudin, we spoke to him afterward, and he says he thinks the court will have a ruling near the end of June on this. So in the meantime, enjoy the cherry blossoms. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Will you and everyone you work with lose their minds if you don't use Upwork to bring in more talent to help? Yep. Can you afford to spend months finding that talent the old-fashioned way? Nope. Can you hire them in seconds on Upwork? Yep. Is it complicated? Nope. Can you have them as long as you need? Yep. Longer than you need? Nope. Is Upwork a newer, better way to work? Yep. Is this commercial over? Nope. What about now? Yep. Upwork, this is how we work now.